it's Jason Cunningham and welcome back to Save My Business, the podcast dedicated to those business owners running small and medium-sized enterprises that are really trying to navigate through the proverbial shitstorm. Now, today's guest, I'm pretty pumped and it's, I'll be honest with you, it's somewhat biased, this guest, because I've got to know her up close and intimately, well, via the internet anyway, is a woman by the name of Donna Aston. Now, most of you know or know of Donna. She's a bit of a rock star in the fitness, nutrition, and health industry. But I'm here to tell you that this woman has changed my life. Um, and, and the reason for that is that uh, I did her recent program a few weeks back and um, managed to not only lose 10 kilos or 10.1 kilo, let me tell you, because every last gram counts uh, in 28 days. But I also managed to stop snoring, which is quite interesting. Um, got rid of my gut issues, irritable bowel become an all-round better bloke. Um, so pretty pumped to have uh, Donna on our podcast. And Donna's going to share with us some insights, not only in the way she runs her business and what she's done with her business, but also the importance of staying healthy, having mental health uh, at its optimum level, and uh, really leading your business and leading your charge. Donna Aston, welcome on board. Thank you for having me. Donna, I hope... My intro wasn't too long because normally my intro is really about me. <laughs> but I, look, to be honest, Donna, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, you have not only uh, changed my life, but you've changed um, my family's life because I no longer snore. Like, Because I'm a man of few talents, Donna, if I can share this with you. But one of the talents that I do have is I could snore at what they say epic levels. Epic. Yeah. So much so that I have to sleep in like not only a completely different room, but actually in the doghouse and my family still hears me, but my snoring has stopped. Um, my wife, uh, Angela, did the program with me and she's pretty pumped. She did send me a text earlier saying, can you ask Donna when I can eat chocolate again? But um, Donna, the program that you've got, I, I joined it because I heard it on Triple M and, and I, I, I did hear that um, of the Triple M listeners, there was a collective two-ton lost in that program. Two ton in 28 days. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And so, but Donna, there's a lot more to you than meets the eye. And I, I really do want to share with our listeners some of the secrets or your thought process, because it's different than a lot of things that I've done yet. And I don't mean to be disrespectful. A lot of it is common sense. Um, but you know, with common sense, obviously it's, it's not that common. Um, and so I want to get to that shortly, but I want to talk about you as the entrepreneur and the business owner. Do you want to share with us how you first got into this industry? I was really overweight. So I, I grew up as a pretty skinny teenager. Mm -hmm. And once I reached 16, I stopped growing taller and started growing out. <laughs> and so by the time I was in my early 20s, I was sort of around 85 kilos uh -huh. and tried every diet, tried every gym, had the attention span of a goldfish trying to do that, lasted no time at all. And then I, I had a friend sort of introduce me to a, a fairly hardcore gym mm -hmm. out in Dandenong, <laughs> like a full-on all-guys pumping iron gym, and I was the only female in there with my friend. And um, they weren't interested in me. They were more interested in looking at themselves in the mirror. So <laughs> I found um, it wasn't quite as intimidating as I first thought. And all the guys in there were great. They were happy to help me if I was struggling. They realized I was trying. Mm -hmm. And after a few months, I started to change my body and realized this was a bit of a challenge. I could probably change my body into whatever I wanted to. So how long ago was this, Donna? Ooh, I was only in my early 20s. Uh -huh. So a long time ago. Yeah, right. Because I, if I think back to when I first 
started going to gym. So I'm 47. I probably went started when I was 17, 18 years old. And back in those days, girls did um, Reebok pump or step Reebok pump and all the boys lifted weights. And I, a gym I went to out in Airport West was called Victory Gym. And it was pretty much a tin shed with just a lot of iron. And yeah, you didn't see too many girls there. So I'm tipping you would have stood out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Well, yeah. there was no sort of, you know, pretty workout lycra and lattes at this gym. It mm. was just, you know, you pumped iron or you left. Yeah. And that was it. And yeah. but, but the guys were great. They were, you know, really helped me. And, and I ended up over a two-year period going from 85 kilos and about 40% body fat down to, I think I ended up at around 8% body fat and 50 kilos. Oh, wow. So massive, massive change. Yeah. And that led to everyone in the gym wanting to know my secret. Yeah. And what was your secret? My secret was eating really good food, being super disciplined and exercising. Yeah. Not that anybody wanted to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm tipping everyone just wanted to the magic formula. The magic formula. Yeah. Um, you know, if I had a, a magic pill in my back pocket, they would have paid anything for it. Yeah, absolutely. So... Your business, I guess, grew from your transformation that you did on yourself. Yeah. And then, so how did you start getting into personal training and, and helping people? Well, I think that that happened organically because yeah. people were literally, you know, coming up to me in the gym and, and begging me to train them. Mm. I hadn't even crossed my mind up until that point. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I started helping some people and then decided I should go and get qualified in it because I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and, and so that became my business. I was just basically running personal training clients inside a gym. Yeah, right. Okay. And how long did that last before your next big foray? That was um, probably six years or so mm -hmm. I was doing that. Mm -hmm. I moved around to a few different gyms in mm. different areas. Mm. And then I had a phone call out of the blue from a woman who was originally from Sydney, who was living in Geneva. Uh -huh. And she wanted me to fly to Geneva to train her for the Nice Marathon. So I did. Yeah. Uh, she sent me over business class tickets and a huge amount of money that I asked for that I thought I'd never get. And off I went. Yeah, so right. I ended up living overseas for 10 years, mm -hmm. I ended up marrying someone over there mm -hmm. and, and I traveled around and lived overseas for mm -hmm. a good 10 years. And while you're overseas, what, what did you do? Did you train? Did you work out? Did you set up a business? What did you do over there? Because we moved around quite a lot, mm -hmm. I, I basically wrote books. So I'd always wanted to write books uh -huh. and that was my opportunity. So yeah. I just needed a laptop and it didn't really matter where I was. So yeah. six books later, well I was done. quite busy while I was away. Yeah, no doubt. And then you come back to Australia. Came back to Australia. Mm -hmm. um, my my husband, my then husband, walked in the door from a flight that he got off just after me, a, a week after me. Uh -huh. Put his bags down and said, "I'm not happy. I'm leaving," and walked out. And I never saw him again. And well, on the on the way out the door, he took out a million dollar mortgage on our house. Oh my god, that was really nice of him. That was lovely. How long ago was that, Donna? That was almost twenty years ago now. So tell me this: How does how does a person bounce back from that? Well, I, I mean, look, obviously I was in a bit of shock at the time. It a bit of shock. It wasn't something I was really expecting. But, but I, I just decided I, I only have so much energy in my body mm. and I, I needed to rebuild my life. I hadn't lived in Australia for nearly 10 years. Mm. And while I'd been publishing books, I didn't have a client base. Yeah. So I, I went out that week and rented a little studio in Turat Village and my clients started finding out that, that I was back and it was like the Pied Piper. They all sort of started coming back, which yeah. was lovely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I could have spent a lot of time chasing him legally, mm. but, 
you know, I, I just I just thought I need to pour my energy into something positive. I couldn't have that negativity around me for that period of time. So I just thought any energy I've got has to go into something positive. I, can I just touch on that a little bit? Because I, I don't want to gloss over that point, right? For most of us, the person that we're married in love with, blindside, out of the blue, says, I'm leaving and by the way, I'm going to whack you a million dollars in the hole. And you what bounce out a week later and set up a you know I don't understand how, how do you get the survival mode I yeah, think you know yeah. I did I didn't even it was probably twelve months later I came up for air mm. because I was literally you know head down bum up working twenty four seven and I I just decided I needed to do whatever I needed to do to get it going so so I I don't think I realised the trauma of it probably until about twelve months later yeah. while that was happening I wrote my I was actually writing my fourth book at the time mm. and it's, it was called Losing It and that was my, my little joke to myself. <laughs> it was about him. <laughs> Everyone thought it was about losing weight mm. but in fact it was probably me losing it more than anything. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's an interesting point. I have heard an audio book I was listening to and I, I, for the life of me I can't think of the author but it's How to Stop Worrying and Get Happy. And, uh, and, and one of the points is just get yourself busy. And it sounds to me that that's what you did. I mean, I, I've met people whose wife have let, left them or the husband's cheated on them and stuff like that. And they're, they're still clinging on to that. But it sounds like to me that you just didn't have time to cling on to that. I'm, I've become really good at letting things go. Mm. If I can't fix it and I can't change it, I'm, I'm very good at genuinely letting it go. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had to teach myself to do that yeah. over the years. Yeah. But but I do it I do it with most things now. Right. Okay. Okay. So I'm just scared about this relationship. <laughs> okay. So so he he runs off, puts you a million dollars in the hole, which was a, a last a nice little parting gift, if you might. Charming. Um, and you rent a little uh, studio in uh, Turek Village, and you build up your empire, and you become known as the personal trainer to the stars, and that sort of stuff. How was that for you? And was it success? Was it as successful from the outside, uh, from the inside, as it was from the outside? If you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. Look, I had this little studio which I mm. outgrew very quickly. Yeah. And I spoke to um, a company called DC Strategy back then because mm-hmm. I was considering doing a franchise model. And they said, we don't know, like on paper, your business works perfectly, but we don't know if it's you who works or if it's the business model. So we need you to step away. Yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. And so I opened up another studio over the other side of town, which I spent all of my time at. Mm. And so I let this one run with you know some trainers that were in charge of it at that time. And after 12 months, it was still growing. So they decided it was actually the business that was working and the model as opposed to just me. Right. I didn't even know half the clients in there by Fantastic. the time that it happened. So that was good. Mm. I just decided that I thought because we were so customer service based that it was franchising was more for burgers and fries than mm. it was for that level of service. And I just didn't think I'd be able to put my name on something mm. and deliver the service that I'd like to deliver mm. under that franchise model. So I, I didn't go with it in the end. Yeah. And so what did you then just concentrate on the two gyms or did you consolidate them into one? Or? I consolidated both into one. So I had, you know, they were both a bit small and they were both getting a bit tired. So I built an amazing studio in South Yarra. It was like 600 square metres. It was beautiful. It was very high-end personal training, the highest level of service. And I was offering all the nutrition side of things for, mm. for clients. Yeah, okay. And you ran that up until... 
for 10 years. Yeah. So it was about 2016 yeah. that we moved out of there. Yeah. And look, it was a great, it was a great gym. We, we even through the GFC, mm. you know, we, we actually had a, a great business going. Mm. I guess I was getting tired of the industry. Yeah. Um, and I was, it was exhausting running, you know, a dozen trainers. Yeah, it would be. I just found it was, you know, plus, you know, six or 700 clients mm. that were all at me for everything. Yeah. And, and look, I was just tired and I, my focus and my passion was in the nutrition side of things. Mm. And that was what I wanted to concentrate on. Yeah, yeah. I guess, too, in, the, in that industry, there's been a heap of competitors flood the market in recent times as well. And I know I, we've got a lot of clients that run gyms. And look, they're in a bad way right at the moment considering we're not allowed to go to a gym and don't even start me on the fact that gyms are probably the most hygienic places. They've got fobs where they know everyone that's in the gym at any point in time. There's sanitizing all over the place. Everyone wipes down their machines. You know, all don't even start me on that. But these guys are really struggling at the moment, not mm. to mention the competitors that are, you know, coming into the market. Did you see that as a threat for you, the competitors and, and all that sort of stuff and the growth in that industry? Well, it's funny because I think I'd been in the business for so long and we were doing really well. Like the business was very successful. Mm. It was called Aston Fitness at mm. the time. Mm. And, um, and because we were so big, we were very different to anything else. I used to fly to LA at least once a year. I had a trainer friend over there who used to drive me around to all the latest of whatever was happening in the industry mm. and I'd go and experience it and visit it and I was always looking for something better yeah. than what I had and I'd nine out of ten times leave LA thinking mine's better than anything that's there. Awesome. Which I was really excited about and if there was anything I could grab and, and mm. replicate, I did. I like it how you refer to the fact that your holiday to LA was a work deduction. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you, don't pull the wall. I'm an accountant by trade. Remember that, you know. And you, oh, you know, I had a travel diary and all this sort of. Yeah, no, no. I'm I'm taking the P one double five. Hey, so you know, one of the beautiful things about your business where it is right now, um, and, and Aston RX, which is um, you know the program that I joined, is that. I, I, I feel guilty saying this, but you were sort of set up for something like COVID, weren't you really? I mean, because people can't go into the gyms and they, they wanted something and we all wanted something that we could get access to where we got access to, you know, probably Australia's leading trainer and nutritionist, which is, I think is really important. And they do say, you know, the gym is maybe 20% and what you put in your body, maybe 80% or a variation thereof. How has your business been impacted since COVID and lockdown and all that sort of stuff has taken place? Well, the gym that, that I had set up after Aston Fitness, which was a different model and, mm. a, and a smaller studio, I, I ended up closing it. We only had a year left on the lease of where we were and I, I was just no longer enjoying the business yeah. and I was splitting myself between Aston RX Online and that and it was sort of stopping me from growing Aston RX or putting my focus into it as mm. I wanted to. So mm. I was... I was kind of relieved to let it go. Mm. Um, so I did that in March. Can I talk like an accountant for a really quick second? Sorry, and I know I just uh, interrupted you. Yeah. So, so you, at this stage when Aston RX was potentially in, a, in its infancy, mm. was it making was it profitable then? The Aston RX online Yeah, program? back then. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It always was. It always was. Okay. Mm. So, but the gym was obviously profitable. Yeah. Uh, but to make a decision to, to shut something down that's making money, so the accountant in me goes, how can you do that, woman? Right? 
But what you're saying your passion was, was in the online business, is that yeah, right? Yeah, look, I tried to sell it. I actually spoke to quite a few different people about selling it. The hardest thing for me to sell it was people were scared that it was my name. Of course. And if I walk away, it'll fall down, similar mm. to what I mentioned with the franchising mm. side of it. Although I knew that wasn't true, mm. that's people's view on it generally. Yeah. So I, you know, my name was on the front. I didn't really want someone to take it over who wasn't confident that they could keep it running. So I, I'd prefer to just shut it down and it was really the perfect opportunity to do so given what's been happening so you got out of your lease and all that no problems or yeah and then you put all your energy into aston rx online yeah okay and i i mean i i'd mentioned to you before we started recording the amount of people that i've bumped into on zoom because you know how we're all in lockdown and stuff um the amount of people that i've bumped into uh who have seen me on zoom said shit jace what have you done you've lost so much weight, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I keep talking about the ancillary benefits that I've had as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, shedding 10 pegs was, is fantastic. Um, but I shouldn't have had it to go anyway. But the, the no snoring, the sleeping better, a guts that's normal, less moody, less anxiety, rather than being hot all the time. I'm, I'm no longer a hot body anymore. I'm, I'm actually more cold than I am hot. I can tell that everything's changed. You know, I think one of the beauty... The, the, one of the most beautiful things about your program is it's there's there's a bit of science and a, uh, and a bit of nutrition attached to it in the fact that I had to go and get a blood test before I started and and I am a person that sees a, a doctor once a year a, a preventative type doctor who does a blood test on me every year but I was interested to see the level of my uh, insulin and um, and I never really paid too much attention to this whole insulin sort of thing that you, you go on about. And then when I watched a few of your, your, your videos, and I, I do remember this one video, you say something along the lines of, uh, I think it, it went something like this, hey, Jason, fat boy, um, if your insulin levels are higher than they should be, irrespective of how low your caloric intake is, you're never going to lose weight. You've got to bring your insulin levels down. Fat ass. Uh, no, I didn't think you said that bit at the end. Uh, and so as I started to get on this journey, uh, and, I, I, and, I, and I also watched the video where you talk about your insulin spikes and you, you said it, because one of the things about your program that I find intriguing is it flies in the face of other things that I've heard before. And, and you talk about, Jason, you've got, um, what do you call it, your body clock? What's that called? Your circadian rhythm. And you say, Jay, you can only eat between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m., for breakfast, 12 and 1 for lunch and 5 and 7 for dinner. Don't eat after dark because if you eat after dark, your insulin levels spike a shitload more, right? And that sort of flies in the face of, oh, we're grazers, snack a little bit every day. And, you, and your video says you, you just want to have that one insulin spike, then it goes down and then uh, it chews into your fat reserves or whatever, and then you go again and go again. And I could feel my body changing as I was doing this program. But the biggest thing for me was after three days on the program, I didn't snore that night. And well, my wife thought I was dead and potentially, (laughs) well, she had the pillow over my head though, right? (laughs) She was like, no, no, but she she was poking me. But yeah, so I I, I just think that, so can you share with me and, and, and the people that listen to this podcast, just some of those key topics around insulin, eating between those windows, and then that you know week two and week three, which we won't share too much about that, but it's the whole intermittent fasting and all that sort of stuff. Can you share with us just this overview of how the program works? 
Look, I've been I've been researching nutrition for a really long for thirty years now, mm. and when I wrote my first book back in nineteen ninety nine, it's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I was telling people that it's okay to put fat in your diet as long as it's unprocessed, healthy fats, mm. and that sugar was bad. And I was the crazy woman who's going to kill everyone and give them a heart attack because sugar's fine mm. and, and fat, you can never have any of it. And that was the, the thinking behind mm. all the dietitians and everyone back then. And now, 20 years later, they kind of agree with me. Yeah, funny that. And, and I think you'll probably find the same thing in 10 or 20 years' time. Mm. They'll probably agree with me with this one. So basically as your your insulin is is high it's it's impossible for your body to dip into your reserved fuel which mm. is your body fat so imagine if your car has two petrol tanks it mm. has a the main tank which is your glucose that's what we eat and we've all got a reserve tank sitting in the boot and that's our body fat mm. so you're never going to need the reserve tank unless your main tank runs out that makes sense and so first thing we do is run down the main tank mm. and your body is desperate to stop at the petrol station and refill it because mm. that's what it always does, mm. but we don't let you. Mm. And so eventually you'll dip over into the reserve tank. So the main tank is like throwing kindling on the fire. It flares up, it dies down, and you've got to quickly throw some more on, otherwise it mm. dies out. Mm. Whereas body fat is like a log on the fire. It burns really slow mm. and really steady for a long time. So you feel calm. You're, you don't have any ups and downs through the day with your energy. Mm. And most people feel completely different once they're burning fat and they're not hungry. Mm. And so then that changes their behavior around food because they're no longer grabbing for food because their, their blood sugar's low or their insulin's high. If they're hungry, they're hungry. And if they're not, they're not. It's funny, we have, a, we have commentary in our house and you know our three kids obviously watched us go through this program. And I, I will say I've never eaten more eggs before in my life, but, but you know, there's talk about, oh, don't have an insulin spike, you know, all this sort of conversation. <laughs> that we have in our house. But I think the other benefits, and as, you know, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, uh, as, as, a, as a parent, we've got a lot of stress going on in our world. And I, and I, I know myself, when I uh, am feeling better about my body and better about my appearance, my mental health is in a better state. I find that I uh, have more clarity in the six inches between my ears. Uh, and I find that I make better decisions. And uh, as I said right at the outset, this is a biased podcast for me because you actually changed my life. Uh, and I am a better person to be around and I make better decisions. And for most of us, and I've said this earlier on other podcasts, for most of us, we don't really like change, okay? And whether that, and I, when I talk about uh, with business owners or investors about making money and, and, and transforming your business, I, I have this correlation between health and fitness and staying in shape. And most of us might put on a kilo every year. We get to a point, and we get to a point where we go, this is just too much. I need to make a change. And, and, and I, that's what happened with me and your program. And we will provide every excuse, you know, under the sun as to whether or not, you know, oh, no, I can't do that or I can't do this. And, I can't go without wine, I can't go without beer, I can't go without chocolate. The moment you make that decision and that change, you know, I, I used to think, you know, it's funny, I'm just having a wry smile to myself. I used to think I, I am too busy to cook breakfast. I'm too busy to make my own lunch and I'm too busy to cook dinner. And so I'd have a shake in the morning, right, full of sugar and God only knows what, and I'd snack all the way up to lunchtime 
And then, you know, I'd have some lunch and then I'd hold on as much as I could and then I'd eat twice as much as I should for dinner. Now with my rational brain, I think to myself, who do you think you are that you're too busy not to fuel yourself correctly? I mean, it, it, I know it's stupid, but the crap you put in your mouth ends up in your gut and that is actually what keeps you alive or, you know, brings you closer to that date of exp- expiration. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. For you, you got to that point when you're in that gym lifting bricks and whatever with all those meatheads or, you know, strong guys or whatever. Uh, and then slowly but surely, your body changed. Was that, was that accidental? Was it just watching what they were doing? Or how did you get to that point where you were that disciplined on your exercise but also your nutrition? I, I for the first time, started to enjoy the feeling of feeling strong and, and being quite good at something. Yeah. People don't like something they're not good at. Mm. And so I found I was actually really strong and I was actually really good at this strength training thing. Mm. And as a result, I, I felt good, like mm. I felt better. And I think it was the fact that I was actually doing something with a purpose mm. and, and creating positive change. That's what sort of fueled my motivation. To, and then I just started to challenge myself, which I've kind of always done. Get, so, so just on that point, Donna, getting to know you. First, I uh, got to know you through the forum. And uh, there's, a, there's a joke about the participants on the forum that says it's something along the lines of Donna says no. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this classic reading some people, oh, can I have one bar of chocolate? No. no. What can I have? Okay, no. what about one tablespoon? In no. <laughs> so let me say this. That might be easier for you to say than others because you seem to be such a disciplined woman, right? If one doesn't have the discipline that you have, what are some of the strategies or techniques or what should they do to get on a program like yours that can last for 28 days? And it's not just the 28 days with you, is it, young lady? It's no. the maintenance, it's the ongoing. Yeah, it's absolutely. a change of life, really. If I've always said I wish I could give someone their body at its best and let them have it for a week. Mm. And then they come back and see me and I give them their other body back. And they'd say, okay, this is not acceptable. Yeah. Because I've experienced not only feeling amazing and looking amazing, mm. but like I sleep well, mm. my digestion's good, I mm. feel calmer, mm. all the wonderful things that go along with mm. it. And the quality of life is just skyrocketed. Mm. And so this is as close as I can get yeah. to giving someone that. And by about, look, everyone's catalyst for doing the program is weight loss. Mm. That's not why I created the program. I created the program to change the way your metabolism works and to correct a lot of dis- dysfunction that happens through your gut and your metabolism. Mm. Once I've managed to do that with you, then the lovely bonus of that is you happen to lose weight really quickly if you need to. Mm. But it's not my aim. And by about the third week of the program, most people start to get that. They'll be saying to me, yeah, yeah, I've lost weight, but guess what? I, I don't have reflux anymore mm. and I'm not bloated anymore mm. and I sleep like a baby and mm. I wake up before my alarm and all these things that they had taken and accepted as normal, mm. they don't have to put up with anymore. Yeah, well, I, I definitely found that out myself. So we asked a few of our regular listeners some questions that they might want to ask you and I hope you're okay with that. Sure. So (laughs) let me have a look at here. I've got a few questions here. One of them is, do you ever have a cheat day and do you ever sneak in a little bit of sugar or anything like that? I don't. Mm. And the main reason, it's not because I really want to and I can't Mm. or I'm so disciplined. I I might as well have a bottle of vodka. Yeah, okay. You know, it makes me feel so bad. I'll get a headache. Mm. I feel sick. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. 
I don't have time to feel like that and I don't want to. Yeah. So it, it sort of doesn't, doesn't even cross my mind. Yeah, okay. Do you drink alcohol? Mm, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I can. some red wine. Yeah, I can see the two bottles in your back. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this question, right? I've got another question here. It says, how sustainable is this program? You know, will I do it for 28 days and then just fall off the wagon? No, look, there's a huge amount of education through the 28 days. I've never intended people to be strict for mm. any longer than the 28 days. Mm. I need that time to retrain your body to start using that reserve tank of mm. fuel mm. and to really burn fat efficiently. Mm. Once you've done that, then there's a maintenance program which starts to reintroduce all your regular foods. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's still some non-negotiables like the timing of your meals and no snacking mm. and just curbing those foods that are going to be yeah. you know, higher in sugars and things like that. My last question, because I want to get back to business, because I'm loath for this to be, a, a, you know, an, an ad for your program, and 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 I just need to be clear, it's not. I I I reached out to you six or seven times, and you said, Jason, would you please piss off your stalker? <laughs> no, I I reached out to because <laughs> I reached out to you because I I just think it's awesome, right? And I think as business owners and entrepreneurs and parents, as I mentioned earlier, I think to be at your best, you've got to be in the best shape mentally and physically and emotionally. And, and, and this is one of the things that you helped me with. But someone asked me to ask you, and I'm not going to mention David Schwartz's name at all, but <laughs> uh, he, he was on the podcast last week. He's, he's in week two or week three now, and he's, he's flying along. And I, if I know the ox, I know he would have reached out to you a couple of times. He doesn't mind bringing people. Do you lose muscle when you go into this starvation mode or ketosis mode or anything like that? Do you lose muscle? Look, it's a really common um, misconception. We've evolved through feast and famine. So people are not supposed to, humans are not supposed to eat constantly. Mm. There would be a meal from mm. a hunting and gathering expedition and mm. then you'd eat that and there might be a couple of days you go by with nothing. Yeah. So the only reason humans even store body fat is as a reserve fuel when there is a famine. But at the moment, there's no famine, there's only feast. Most people only have, you know, snacking and feasting. Mm. And so by fasting, your body can tap into that. And what actually happens physiologically when you fast is you get a, a huge burst of growth hormone, um, which helps to propel you to go out and hunt and gather. You get adrenaline, you get all of these hormones, you feel very alert. You know, if you eat a big meal, you feel like you want to go to sleep. Yeah. Whereas if you're hungry, you actually are quite alert. Mm. I, I have a surgeon who recently did the program and he said he does a 10-hour surgery now with such mental clarity right. that he's never been able to do before with no food because he's so used to fasting. Yeah. So your body's not stupid enough to dip in and start using valuable muscle when it has plenty of body fat. Mm. And we all have a couple hundred thousand calories plus in that reserve tank. Wait, you? Just waiting. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, right. And so you're never going to run out of fuel. Okay. All right, so I want to get back on a business if I can and, and maybe I might put you on the spot towards the end of mm. uh, the podcast, um, and if you don't mind. Your business now is an amazing online business where you've, got a, you've built a community, um, you sell a program, you also sell supplements, you've got a maintenance program, and, you know, and, and everybody feels part of this community. It reminds me in a similar way when I used to be on SCN, which is a small boutique uh, sports radio station, but you either listened to or you didn't and you felt part of the community, right? Um, and you've been building that for a long time. There are a lot of business owners right now that are very well aware that business has changed forever, okay? What are some of the tips you could give these business owners? What are some of the things that they could do to move more into that online space and into that online platform that can protect them from um, the downsides of having a uh, bricks and mortar retail type business? 
I think it's I think it's really important to acknowledge at the moment that things may never be normal as we knew mm. again. And I think that what this has taught us is that these things can happen. You know, if I had have told you about this 12 months ago, you would have said that could never happen. Mm. I would have said the same. Yeah. But it has. Yeah. And so I think we need to, you know, have as much diversity in our business model as we possibly can mm. to adapt to these things. Mm. I was very lucky that I'd spent a couple of years already building a platform from the ground up. So I had a really good platform to start with. However, I wasn't planning on shutting a gym 12 months earlier mm -hmm. than I'd anticipated. So, and I didn't have fitness on the program. I only had nutrition. Right. So it took me two and a half weeks working my backside off mm. to film content and start up a whole new, develop a whole new section, which was our online fitness. Yeah. And so that's where all of our clients went. And yeah. so, so I had to pivot, as that yeah. word is, I yeah. had to pivot really fast yeah. to accommodate that side of the business. I already had a platform to do that, mm. but there are so many templates out there now for websites. Mm. If anybody's thinking about having an online side of things and they think it's all just in the too hard basket, you know, there are so many that are already set up with a shopping cart and everything. You basically throw in a picture, throw in a product, um, link it up and off you go. So it's a very simple thing to mm. set up. And mm. then with social media, it's so easy to, yeah. to advertise. So I think everybody has the capability of, of changing their business in that way. All right, Donna, I'm going to throw something in your face uh, and, um, on that, if I can. I'm going to challenge you, right? It's okay for you to go on social media. You're a celebrity. You're on radio. You're on telly. Everyone knows Donna Aston. What about Joe Blow, who does not have that profile? What should that person do? I know I do appreciate and respect. I like the point you said about diversity. You know, it's it's about spreading the risk and not having all your eggs in one basket. I, I call it making sure you've got a backup plan because the world does change. We don't know what the next coronavirus is or COVID. We, but there's always going to be big impacts in our business. So having a backup plan is a great idea. What about the regular Joe? running a business and doesn't have the profile that Donna Aston has. You know, I, I appreciate that there are off-the-shelf websites. How can they, what should they be doing to start to build their profile or get the noise out for their product? I think with social media now, it's very, it's very easy to become an authority on something if you know what you're talking about. Mm, mm. So I think it's about not selling to people on social media, but yeah. actually giving them information yeah. and, and you know, giving them something for nothing, which is basically an insight into who you are and what you do. Yeah. And I think that's a really important part of social media and that gets shared around. If it's interesting and people know that you know what you're talking about, yeah. Sometimes it's a bit controversial. It may not, you know, mm. maybe going against the grain, which mm. is usually me <laughs> in many ways. However, I just think that, that that's what social media is for. I, I went to a seminar a while ago and, and a woman said to me, who was an expert from New York in social media, and mm. she said, if you start selling too much in, in whether it's Instagram or whatever it is, you know, it's like you're having a conversation with your friends and someone just walks into the middle of that group and starts trying to sell you all something. Yeah. You'd be like, get lost. Yeah, of course. And, and it's, it's that same intrusion in people's lives. Mm. They don't want that. Mm. Um, whereas if you earn their trust and they, they start to understand what you're all about, I think that's what a great platform it is. 
Also, you know, advertising is so inexpensive through social media. Yeah. So you don't have to just rely on sitting there and getting followers. Mm. You know, you can actually advertise for a very reasonable and economical fee mm -hmm. to get a lot of people to see what you're doing. So did you do this yourself or did you get a social media person to help you? Or how did you go about doing what you've done? I've done a lot of it myself. I can tell. I'm, I'm someone who likes to research things. And yeah. I have someone who builds my site now, a developer, mm. and we've built it from the ground up. We didn't have a template for it. Mm. So so it's, it's very agile that it can do many things that it wouldn't have been able to do in a template. Mm. And he does all my search engine marketing. Um, mm. So he, he manages that side of it for me, but I write all the content. Mm. I, I, I still produce all of that because I'm very, very fussy about the message that goes out there. Mm. It always has to align with the brand, so I always write it myself. One of the things that rings through to me about you and the person that you are is uh, you are, I was going to say you seem, but I can tell that you're a very authentic person, right? And, um, and yeah, it's, yeah, your authenticity comes through the videos that I watched on your website whilst I was in that, let's call it stalking phase. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having. I like to entertain myself sometimes. No, but yeah, and then and then the person that I have since come to know is you're you're very much authentic, and uh, and I think that's important too in business authenticity, and and not trying to be all things to all people, but this is uh, you know the vernacular. This is my wheelhouse. This is the lane that I'm playing in, and being really true to that, I, I think that seems to be what gets the most cut through when you niche up and you go really deep? People are not silly, you know, and if, if what you're thinking and what's coming out of your mouth are two different things, mm. people get a gut feeling that that's not right mm. and they don't trust you. Yeah. You know, what, what, I, what I do is really authentic and I'm super passionate about it and I get so excited about what I do mm. because I... I see people on the forum every day. I hear from people every day. As you said, it changed your life. Mm. And for someone, I remember when I wrote my first book, mm. I did a signing in Borders. Yeah. And this man was standing up the back of this, this talk that I did of 200 people. And he walked up to me. He was the last person in the line. I was signing books. And he came up and he put his book down and he said, I just want to say thank you. He said, I was sitting on my sofa. I was 180 kilos and I was eating a bag of chips. And you came on television and something you said just resonated with me. I went out, I bought your book. I've lost 100 kilos. Oh, that's awesome. And thank you. You saved my life. Yeah. And I just thought, I said to him, I would write another 100 books just to hear one person say yeah. that. Like, how cool is that? No, that's really I'd cool. I never met this guy in my life, mm. but I'd helped him with that. Yeah, it's a good feeling. And that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. If we believe in what we believe in and we can, and I joke around and say, um, you know, I'd like to ch be a life changer or whatever. But that being said, you, you did change my life. And, you know, the people that I've spoken to, I think five or six of them, three of them have been on podcasts before, have, have joined the program. And I'm sorry about the ox because he will text you every day. But no, he's a good man, <laughs> David Swartz. He's a good man. So, okay. So in finishing, let's talk about, you know, the term pivot. But you, you spoke about, you know, spreading the risk and the diversity piece and, and jumping up, up online. And it's not that expensive to do. Um, it's so you can get up there and build your own website using the templates, taking a few photos and all that sort of stuff. You can get some assistance via social media and get some boost and the advertising's not too expensive. What else can people do to start to move into that space to, if you like, 
decrease their reliance on the current business in the event that there is another traumatic event in the economy so that they've got a bit of protection? One thing that I'm always doing, and I'm fortunate that I have the forum now because I get instant feedback every minute of every day on, on my product. Yeah. But I think one thing that's really important is to, to listen, listen to what people are saying, listen to what people need. Always keep your eyes open for a niche. It may not be in your industry, but you've seen someone else do it in another industry and you may be able to apply it to yours. So I'm, I'm always looking at different industries. I'm always reading about people who I am inspired by. And they've, they're often little pivot points for me to start doing something a bit differently or adding something a little bit differently mm. to see if it works. And I think that, that listening to your demographic of people that you're marketing to or that you're serving, I think that's extremely important. I, I just, I'm so grateful that you said that. Last, uh, our last episode, I had Cameron Swab, who's, uh, who's an ex-CEO in the AFL industry. So he was a CEO at, at Richmond and Melbourne Footy Club, then Fremantle, then back to, to Melbourne. And he began his career as a CEO at 24. And one of the things that resonated from his conversation was that as a leader, you really need to be a listener mm. and a learner. And mm. you said exactly the same thing to me. And I, I think... I think that's a really important trait because too often we meet and see business owners that like to do it their way and I've got all the answers and I know everything and here I am talking to a woman who is leading the industry telling me, Jason, I'm, all I want to do is learn, learn from my audience, learn from my customers and, and also learn from my competitors and I, I think that's, that's great to hear that from you because despite uh, what you, whatever image you may have of Donna Aston, a very proud, confident woman on television and on radio, you are quite a humble uh, woman and your humility comes through, which is wonderful. And whilst I'm sort of buttering you up, and I know you're allowed to use butter when we cook because we, we've been cooking with butter. Um, while I'm buttering you up, I, I, I'd be keen uh, for as many people to join this program as possible. And so uh, I don't know whether you're in a position to offer anyone anything and you may or may not, but my preference is, well, if you don't, I'll just edit it out. <laughs> But uh, the, your website is um, Aston RX. I know your program runs every fortnight. Is it every fortnight? Yes, every second Monday. Every second Monday. So based on today's date, the next program will be the 26th of October. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great. Uh, and you don't have to, as I said, because if you don't, I'll just edit it out. But if you could offer something uh, to the listeners of Save My Business, and I'll let you think about it while I tell everyone my experience from not a fitness guru like you, but, you know, when I read you, I, I heard you on Triple M and I heard you have a bit of a yarn and then Eddie jumped on and, and he spoke about, you know, how well um, he went on the program. And I think Darcy and a few of the other guys did the program as well. And so I instantly registered and I went and got my blood test. And I was really excited about that. And so you get your blood test and it measures your uh, levels of uh, insulin and, and all sorts of other stuff, cholesterol. And there was a HOMA score or something I. I didn't pay a heap of attention to that, but I possibly should have. And so then I went and joined the program two days early. I started on the Saturday instead of the Monday, and I was so pumped. And then Ange, my uh, good lady bride, joined the program as well. And, yeah, it just, it just changed my life. And so, yeah, if there's something that you can offer. So how do we do We register AstonRx, is that right? Go to AstonRx.com uh-huh. and click Join Now. You can select your date. And at the payment page, if you put in AstonRx10, so that's capital letters, AstonRx, 
uh-huh. you can get 10% off. That's what we're talking about. All right, Donna Aston, you are a superstar. Thank you for your time. I, I really appreciate that you gave it so gracefully and so willingly. I, I really do appreciate that. I, I, I loved listening to your story and, you know, you're a 30 years in the making overnight success. <laughs> Congratulations and thank you for helping me. Thank you for having me.